Good morning, folks. Pastor Chuck Blair, great to have you joining me this morning. And whether you're joining us in our studio audience, whether you're joining us anywhere across the country, it's wonderful to have you here today. And today we're looking at, at a really fascinating part of, of enchantment and beauty. This, this has been part of a series where we've been looking at the, the idea that we have to recapture some enchantment. We have to get to a point where we see the world as magical again, and that, that the life of faith is not necessarily always this life of sort of dry certainty, but it's really this very rich life that's, that's very magical with lots of enchantment to it. So that's what we're going to be talking about today, and thank you for joining us here. And, and today what I, we're, we're going to be talking about a little bit is shifts in faith, how our faith changes, how it gets renewed how a lot of people see it and how, how it moves in a very time-specific way to the here and now, where we are in 2023. A key concept that we have here in the, the Christian New Church is the idea that we're all born with, with this historical faith, a faith that we were born with. And, and for some people, again, I want to offer a little caveat here. For some people, the faith they were born with was no faith, which is its own faith. You know, you go down that rabbit hole a little bit. And that's not necessarily what we're talking about today, though that is something that a lot of you no doubt have experienced and you found church because you didn't have it as a kid. Today what I want to talk about is finding God anew when you did have a faith and you lost it and now you're searching for something new. I think back to, to you know, the experience of historical faith and, and I can remember being a little boy growing up in western Pennsylvania and going to church. And if that somehow resonates with you, just take yourself back to that for a minute. Remember it well. I remember sitting in the church, my family lived out in the country, we'd drive into the city for church and, and the building, I mean, I remember the building so well. And, and coming into that building and sitting in that building, I knew where our, our pew was and the, the pastor was in front of me and as a little boy, I was sure that was the Lord speaking. And then off to the left, there was where the organist was. And, and all you could see, you couldn't see the organ. All you could see was light coming from the organ. And I was really positive, like, oh, there's the Lord speaking to me. And that's where all the angels are hanging out. It was a very enchanted space for me. And, and I've been privileged to go back and do a number of weddings and preach there several times. And, and it's still like the building is just magical. And I can remember even at, you know, things like Thanksgiving, walking up the aisle with fruit as part of an offering or Easter with flowers, all those very magical pieces. Now that magic shifted. And it wasn't that I don't love those kinds of services anymore. I love doing them. I, I do. There's so much beauty there. But we're living in a time where for many of us, for many of us, for our kids, our, or if you have grandchildren or grandchildren, they know nothing of that world. That world for many people, for a variety of reasons, some good, some bad, stopped working. So the historical faith that many of us were raised in, even if we found it magical, like we found a need to shift, to go to a new place. And I'm constantly having to remind myself of that. We had a beautiful, wonderful, amazing small couple of small groups this week on the book Finding Chica. And the first group we had, there pop up a number of people who I've never met before online, including one wonderful person who joins us from Dallas, Texas. She's probably watching right now. And I thought, what a weird world. You know, like 
I, I really do sort of miss and pine for that, that older magic. And yet here's this magic, right? Here's this magic of, of a, a church, and here's somebody who found us in Dallas, Texas. Like, how does that work? And two people are joining us on their car phones as they're commuting home from work. How does that work? It's a different kind of magic. But can, can we look at both and not sort of think, well, one was good, one was bad, one was good, one was bad, but really come down to what the heart of it is, which is the beauty in finding God. And particularly today, I wanna, I wanna look at the beauty in finding God again. How do we find God again? And this is a service, you know, if, if you're struggling with faith, this might be something that you find appealing, as well as if you're not struggling with it, but you just want a chance to celebrate what you found Maybe this service can do part of that for you. Because, because I think historical faith, what it gives us, and what it gave me certainly, was safety, comfort, and predictability. I grew up in a world, it was safe, my faith, it was predictable, my faith, and it was very comforting, my faith. And of course, life has a way of sort of challenging all those things. Folks, we all know this, right? Your faith is supposed to grow. It's supposed to change. You think about the beliefs you had of God when you were five versus the belief you have now that you're 35 or 45 or 55. They've changed and it's always been the same God. Because that's, I think, how it's set up. I think that's how we're created, is, is to move past that safety, comfort, and predictability into a new form of faith, into a new way of seeing the world. But that transition from historical faith into newer forms of faith, or, or, or renewed forms of faith, I should say, you know, it's not an easy transition. And a lot of people just simply give it up for a while hopefully not for their whole lives. But a lot of people do give it up for a while. It just becomes too much. And yet, what I find again and again, folks, there is an ache, a deep ache that many people carry with them because they miss the magic. They miss the enchantment. They miss the idea of, of the Lord kind of as their buddy. They miss that sense of meaning. And that ache, we can't fill that ache with more and more entertainment. We can't fill that ache with more and more busyness. We can try, but it's not really going to work. And, and that ache, folks, you know, I, I think when we have to look at that ache, I think it's something that we can look at. And we can look at it and we can smile around that ache. And we can think, oh, this is a call. This is a call for more. We just want more. More of that deep love and that deep meaning and that deep richness. It's so much the part of faith. So, welcome to New Church Live. So glad you're here and so glad you're going to join us over these next 40 minutes or so as we take a look at this and pull this apart and, and try to look at, yeah, what does it look like to see God in new ways? What does it look like to find beauty in faith again. Friends, welcome. Welcome to New Church Live. Good morning, everybody.
stars were mine, I'd give them all to you. I'd pluck them down right from the sky and leave it only blue. I would never let the sun forget to shine upon your face. So when others would have rain clouds, you'd have only sunny days. If the stars were mine, I'd tell you what I'd do. I'd put the stars right in a jar and give them all to you. If the birds were mine, I'd tell them when to sing. I'd make them sing a sonnet when your telephone would ring. I would put them there inside the square whenever you went out. So there'd always be sweet music whenever you'd walk about. If the birds were mine, I'd tell you what I'd do. I'd teach the birds such lovely words and make them sing for you. I'd teach the birds such lovely words and make them sing for you. If the world was mine, I'd paint it gold and green. I'd make the oceans orange for a brilliant color scheme. I would color all the mountains, make the sky forever blue. So the world would be a painting, and I'd live inside with you. If the world was mine, I'd tell you what I'd do. I'd wrap the world in ribbons and then give it all to you. I'd teach the birds such lovely words and make them sing for you. I'd put those stars right in a jar and give them all to you. Thank you. That was great. What a, what a fun song. And that's kind of the spirit I want to approach this in because I think so much of the time when, when we look at faith and challenge of faith, we're so, I mean, it's like, it's like a funeral dirge is kind of the music we hear. It shouldn't be like, like this is a journey, right? We're all on a journey. And, and, and so much of life is remembering that the journey's God. Like God's for you. I mean, that's the whole point of the thing. And our struggles are our struggles are our struggles. And we can hold them with the same spirit that was in that song. So join me on that journey today. As we take a look at this journey from historical faith into a new faith. Now I think there's, any, there's a challenge in movement. And, and this, is, this is how Richard Beck phrased it. And I think this is where we kind of go. Like historical faith and all of a sudden we start to question everything. This is how Richard Beck kind of phrased that questioning. If your entire life has been devoted to putting question marks next to everything, especially the things you hold most sacred, is it any wonder that we are feeling a bit fragile and anxious? I think that's true. We live in an age where, where again, everything gets question marks put around it. Does that have a positive side? Yes, we're, we're, we're questioning people. We're on a quest. We're on a journey. Of course, questions are part of that. But a lot of people they arrive at putting these question marks around things 
And in my experience, a lot of the time, and this is where it gets off track, they put questions around everything and they go, oh, that's the final answer. The questioning everything is the highest form of wisdom we can have. I don't agree with that at all, <laughs> actually. And, and I don't see faith per se, I want to say as well, I don't see faith per se as being like a lockstep thing. I think it's much more open than that. But we can't always be questioning everything and the validity of everything. I mean, there are certain things we just need. I was, I was driving yesterday, uh, you know, and I thought I came to an intersection. I was a little worried for, there, for a second that the stoplights had stopped working. Many of us have been in an intersection where the stoplights stop working. How good an experience is that? You know, when those basic things just stop working, it isn't always a good thing. And yet that is part of our life experiences is moving through those, those times. And, and what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at a, a very famous story in the Bible, as famous as the stories we looked at last week. It's a story about Moses, and I'm going to put it in the context, share with you, share with you some ideas for, for all, our, all of us to consider around historical faith and how these shifts take place. This journey, right, with Moses, again, starts like, for a lot of us, starts with a historical faith. So, so the story of Moses, for those of you who don't know, thousands of years old, he's considered the forefather of modern Israel. And, and, and Moses starts out, and he's a, he's a baby, and he's an, he's, a, he's an Israelite baby who then gets adopted by, by the royalty of Egypt. So, so he gets raised as a prince, and that kind of becomes his whole way of being. But he still knows he has this little part of him that's anchored back in, in this Israel tradition, Israeli tradition. So here's Moses. And then, you know, the story won't go into because it would take, a, take the whole sermon to do it. He ends up killing someone. So he has to leave that, leave that land and start moving into this new place. And in this journey, again, I see this journey, one way to look at it is just this journey away from that kind of faith into a new kind of faith. And he spends this time in between, in this betweenness time. And that's where we pick up the story here. And this, this in between this time, he's serving as a shepherd to his father-in-law. And you think about the shift here, right? Like this isn't rags to riches, this is riches to rags. He goes from being a prince of the most powerful nation in the world to being just a simple shepherd out in the wilderness. And that's where we pick up the story here. And he ends up in a very specific place, Mount Horeb. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness, came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn. And we'll come back to that line. So Moses thought... I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. And some translations have that Moses turned aside. And we'll look, we're going to look at that too. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Now, folks, just when you, when you look at the geography of this area, the geography is fascinating. Here's a picture of it right here. And, and you just, this is, this is wilderness. I mean, this is big time wilderness where, where just even simply the existence of a bush would be strange. And then not only the bush, but the bush is on fire. 
And that's, folks, where the story starts to take this unique turn. I love the line here. It was on fire, it did not burn up. A fire that did not consume. That's significant. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. So, so we see that. We see this bush of fire. And we notice it's not being consumed. And what we're asked to do, as the text says here in the next line, we're asked to go over or turn aside, to go over or turn aside. Christian New Church, we mean that's where we shift our current way of thinking to something different. Now, now what, is, what does that look like? What is that all about? Well, I think that is a burning bush moment there, folks. And it's, it's, it's where we're walking through our life and all of a sudden like, whoop, you know? We were doing that sermon writing team. Somebody liked the way I said that, so I'll do it again. Whoop. We just kind of like look over. We turn aside. What do you think? What do you imagine that is to see a fire that doesn't actually burn? Doesn't consume anything? Well, I think the answer is pretty obvious, right? We get moved by this experience, and I'm using the word on purpose there, experience. And it's this deep experience where we kind of catch it in our peripheral vision of love. But it's not just sort of like an, oh, isn't that sweet? No, 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 no. It's, 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 a, it's a, a looking over, and it's a looking over where, where of course, we, we look at it with a certain sweetness, folks, but we look at it, and it's so deeply impactful that we find our faith totally challenged, but it's challenged in a way that's asking us to renew our faith. Not to discount it. Not to discount it. It's, it's no great feat to discount things. <laughs> do not, please, do not think that just because people discount things that they're more intelligent. No, that's, that is easy to do. That's not what this is talking about. This is talking about where we see something and we see this kind of love, but it's such a deep, rich love that all of a sudden we find our faith challenged in a new way, but it's, it's being challenged to renew itself, to be somehow different. I think, folks, you can see a circle starting to happen here that goes way back to when he was a baby. New church, we would call that remains, where where it was so true way back when we were just at our smallest. We grow into more and more and we return to again, very much T.S. Eliot, we'll return home, know the place for the first time. And we didn't know, like, like we didn't go out on that journey looking for that. A line I loved when I was doing research for this sermon was one, when um, those most, li most likely to miss the signs of faith are those most certain what they're looking for. <laughs> That's a good line, right? If we're absolutely sure what we're looking for, we're going to miss all kinds of stuff. One author I really enjoy said, you know, talk to somebody who's big into birding. They're going to miss everything else, but they'll see the birds. And not that birding's bad, obviously. But, but what we look for, folks, what we do look for, if we're really certain what we're looking for, that's going to discount a lot of other things that are every bit as real and true. And that's, again, why we can't fall in love with questioning everything. Where we have to be able to see things in a, in a much richer way. And, and I'm purposefully using this word renewed versus new. 
I think, I think that's really significant. In, in our lives, we very readily switch into binaries, that my old faith was bad, my new faith is good, or vice versa. That's a dichotomy. That's a binary. And Jesus and Christians forever have been trying to work through that, sort through that into finding something called third way thinking, third way, third way, something that isn't into those binaries. And that's where I think when we say we have old and you have new, might be a little too simplistic, where instead we go renewed. I think that's probably a more accurate way to see it. And I want to step over here for a minute and, and talk about kind of how this, how this might work. I think with these faiths, with, with faith as we shift, just, just think about the phrase, God is in charge. Think about the phrase, God is in charge. How did you hear that when you were young? And how do you hear that now at the age you are? Has there been a shift? Probably for a lot of people, I don't know whether it's most or not, but for a lot of people there has been. There was this way of seeing God is in charge and it was safe, it was comfortable, and it was predictable. In other words, we could see God as judge. We could see a God that was very judgmental. We could see a God that knew there were goodies and baddies. And that bad people were all going to be sent to hell, good people were all going to go to heaven, and we knew which team we were on. And then it starts to change. Right? It starts to shift. And we start to see God, but, but it's, it's a God, yeah, that's, that's a judge, but it's, but it's such a different kind of judge. Is it maybe possible we could start to see God as a judge who's just very gently asking us the question, are you being loving? Are you serving? Like last week with a smile, ask the question, what are you doing here? Ask the question, as we mentioned last week again, what do you seek? See, all those questions are, are based on a certain form of judgment, but it's, but it's a different kind of judgment. I think, folks, back to the historical faith that many people have, and I certainly experienced, it was very much God is in charge, and God was kind of up here, and his name was written in all capitals up in the heavens. God is in charge. It was very much this idea of God looking down on us and looking down at our lives and sort of parsing things out. I think a different way, a renewed way of seeing it, is God is in charge, and it's much more about God is the ground of our being, as was famously said. It's much more God as the ground, as hummus, as, as Adam, as the earth, as the earth that gives birth to all things. And on that earth, on that renewed kind of view of God, it's just such a different way to see it because, because all of a sudden, like, God is just, it's just different. 
Not totally different, but, but different in many ways because, because that God, when, when we see God as in charge and we see, see God as, as sort of the ground of our being that's able to hold the good and the bad, it's no longer the good and the bad, it's the good and the bad. The idea of, of the two things growing together, because they just do. We are all such mixed bags. Beautiful parts and broken parts. Made famous by the parable, the wheat and the tares. And somehow that view of God is the ground of our being. It's able to really hold both. I mean, you know, I I find for myself, like, um, when you hear things and you hear really hard things or, 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 or really hard things that people have done and, and our, 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 our hearts go to the victims, obviously, and, and maybe, maybe, and I'm going to say this so gently, so gently, and maybe even a little part of our heart goes to the perpetrator thinking, how lost were they that they somehow thought that that was okay? You want to see a full story on that? Watch Les Mis. <laughs> that little bit of compassion. And compassion starts to go both ways. But folks, it's not like that older faith is something that we're just to jettison, that we're just to get rid of, that we're, we're somehow to, to see ourselves as, as liberated from. I don't think so at all. I love the idea that, that, that the faith we are born into, that becomes our native tongue. It's interesting, right? When, when you have somebody who can pick out your accent and go like, oh, you must be from Chicago. Or you must be from Birmingham, Alabama. Or you must be from New England. That's your native tongue. And people can hear it and they can hear it in the words you use. Do you say soda? Do you say pop? You know, whatever it might be. They can hear it in your language. That is your native tongue. And we can, we can honor our historical faith that we're born in. That is our native tongue. And in a way, we will always have that accent. Remember going back to that old church in Pittsburgh? It was so moving being in there again. All the magical memories. Because that's my native tongue. And it always will be. I don't need to get rid of it. I think what God is always asking is for maybe for us to renew it. And that's where, again, folks, this this idea of, of uh, this idea of transcend and include, it's, it's, it's where our faith is to evolve, but as it evolves, it's to pull all these other things with us. It's to pull them forward in our journey. And that's where we really start as we do that. That's, I think, where we really start to hear God call our name again. I mean, that God calling you by name is no small thing. I mean, that's what faith does in a lot of ways. Who's the first person who truly saw you? Who you felt truly knew you by your name? I'm not talking about parents here. I'm talking about was there a teacher who did that? Was there a coach? 
Was there a community member? That's the kind of rebirth of faith we're talking about, where we, where we just feel so seen and so accepted and so much grounded in the ground of our being in faith. That's that newness that we're talking about that pulls us forward into this beautiful call. Now, what does it look like when we have sort of that whoop moment where we see it? Well, just a couple of pictures I wanted to share. Pictures here, there's two brothers out in California on the left and two sisters on the right. Two brothers, one helping his brother move towards crossing over and the other one's just starting their journey. Two sisters, look at their smiles, exactly the same. Two sisters, this was a picture from yesterday actually. They're enjoying, they're enjoying a beautiful baptism. The family there on the right, just a little aside, they are a fun family. They're, they're, some of them no doubt are watching online right now. And it was a, a really fun baptism yesterday. And, uh, you know, lots of noise, lots of people. And, and uh, I made a, made a comment to Megan. I said, Megan, I love your family. They have so much energy. And she's there, Chuck, I know what you mean. They're noisy. And I thought, that's true. But it was, it was this beautiful, beautiful noise. And, and folks, that noise, that noise, you know, as I'm sitting there getting ready for the baptism, there's this noise of all this family. It's just like, whoop. There it is. There's the burning boy bush. There's the fire that burns but doesn't consume. And a beautiful line, uh, you know, from my buddy Carl is his brother's out there helping him, you know, and Carl sends me a text about how he's helping him do these things. Like, that's a whoop. That's a fire. But it's a fire that doesn't burn. It's a fire that doesn't consume. So you want to help somebody with faith? You want to help them with how that faith might look? What their faith could be? Think of it from that angle. It wasn't this big intellectual insight that sort of flipped his faith. I mean, that's where I think people think sometimes if I could just say the right thing. Give somebody the right translation, give them the right quote, I am as guilty of that as anyone. If I just give them the right information, that will do it. Probably not. <laughs> you know, faith is much more about these, these shifts that, that we're on journey, we're on our normal way, and then all of a sudden, bang, there it is. And folks, that's where we have to find beauty. And it's not just finding it and observing it, but it's allowing it into our hearts in a way that transforms us in new ways. So, as we get ready for our song here, I want to throw a question out there to you folks, which is this simple question. Where, share one such moment for yourself. What was a burning bush moment for you? Where you just all of a sudden like, oh, there it is. A moment that really kind of helped you to just, just see your faith renewed, helped to, helped to warm you, not burn you. A fire that didn't consume. I've shared two of them with you. Please feel free to text a couple of them, one or two of them to me at 215-740-3662. That's 215-740-3662. Or you can put it in the chat. What was one such moment for yourself?
Live, it's Angela. I just want to remind you all to make a donation to support this church that you all love. Uh, we rely on your generosity to support all the initiatives here, and we greatly appreciate any donation. And I also want to remind you that you can order Easter kits to be delivered to your house. They're free of charge, and they will be for our communion service that we're having on April 6th. So you can go to our website, you can order your Easter kit, and you can make a donation and all of your donations support things like our Easter kids and all the initiatives happening here over the Easter season. So we hope you'll consider making a donation. We hope you'll support the church and we hope you'll order an Easter kit today. Thank you, Angela. So let's, let's come back to this question, you know, these, these burning bush moments. It's interesting reading some of the responses and, and someone mentioned, you know, even sometimes they feel like they've been tapped on the shoulder 
by someone who's passed on. I imagine a lot of us kind of have that experience. We don't talk about it a lot, but a lot of us had that experience too. We're just kind of a presence shows up in ways we didn't anticipate, in ways we were not looking for. And it's, it's interesting, folks, you know, I, I, as we were talking about this, again, in sermon writing team, those moments, like, I'm going to throw this out there for us to all think about. They tend to be a couple of things. They tend to be simple. And in an interesting way, and this is offered with a smile, they also tend to be demanding. They really will if we allow it, they really will get into our DNA. They will start to shift our world. I mean, when we have those moments, we have a moment where we get, God's here. In this ordinariness of life, like, God's here. God's in charge, not, not in terms of something way above, looking down, but, but something it is, the ground of our being. And we're most likely maybe even to have those moments when we're in the wilderness, when we're in the desert. And then we just see it, experience it, let it into our lives for a second. It doesn't mean that, that we always will. I mean, I think these things, like so much of our choices is what are we going to literally pay attention to so much of of living life and understanding like if, if you want your life to be enchanted if you want to be magic if you want to see the magic in the world what are you paying attention to ask yourself that so there's plenty of magic out there you are always free to pay attention to it or not elizabeth barrett browning captured that in this really fun quote. Earth's crammed with heaven and every common bush afire with God, but only he who sees takes off his shoes. The rest sit around and pluck blackberries. <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good line. You know, because we, we get to see, we get to see blackberries and magic or not. Like, we get to see that. We, we get to choose that. And I think that's, again... As, as Christian New Church perspective would have, that's why we need to turn aside. That's why we need to catch that thing out of our peripheral vision and maybe sometimes literally, physically turn aside, but definitely always mentally turn aside so that we can see it and give it the attention that it deserves. I love, folks, this beautiful line from Rachel Held Evans where she talks about the, the incredible beauty in this, which is God, take a look at this line, the God who once hovered over the waters is now plunged beneath them at Jesus' baptism. Now that line is poetry in and of itself. But there's, there's something there. I, I think this idea, right, of our faith, it, it starts in this place and sort of it's, it's God, Ruach is the Hebrew there, Hovering over the waters, it's a story of creation, and it's, it's God kind of above. And it it's actually uses, uses a phrase, a bird, sort of a bird flying above. And then as the Bible narrative goes on, and it's, don't, don't think of the Bible as just one continuous story. It's not. It's more like a library, which a bunch of different books in it. 
it's just interesting to compare that to when you, when you get into the New Testament and Jesus and that idea that, that that bird now and God and everything plunges beneath the water and Jesus' baptism. I, I think that's the way our faith is supposed to be. Was there anything wrong with having a God that was up here, a God in charge at a different level, kind of God who had the corporate suite up there? Probably not. That was a good part of growing up for many of us. And then faith goes and grows and shifts and is renewed. And then we much more come to experience a God who literally has plunged into the waters. Emmanuel. God with us. God with us. There's beauty in that, folks. There's, I think back to, to life, and I, I know, I know in my soul that there was magic, there is magic in some of those beautiful older forms of faith. Incredible magic there. And I know, I think, I imagine that we're in the middle of this transition. And maybe the biggest thing we can hold on to is our desire to see the magic again. To feel it. To sense it. To see that burning bush one more time. That fire that burns but doesn't consume. That's our attention. And I'm, I'm struggling a bit right now because I just think, ah, oh, just, boy, I want to convey it. I want to convey it. I want to convey it maybe in one of two ways. And again, this is where language, language is always such a finite, limited way to communicate. But maybe one of the pieces of it, folks, is, is don't, don't think that the quest is only about those question marks or only about tearing down how bad and wrong that was, that historical faith. There were good parts to it, parts that needed to change absolutely. And there were really good parts to it. And as you go through that journey, of questioning, of trying to look through your faith again or find faith renewed in some way or celebrate a renewed faith. Allow that just that transition of life where, where we can really start to see in this, in this newness just, just a real beauty and grace. I mean, I, I don't know. I wish I could get the right language around it. It's, it's really hard to do. How do you capture language around those burning bush moments. I don't know for sure, but I know those moments are real, and I know that that is so much part of finding faith anew. But it takes us reaching out our hand to God to help, to, to help us to make that transition there. And if you've made that transition, folks, maybe part of your job is just to help people along. Because I think our families, our communities, our relationships, our nation, our world is better off with people having real faith, a real sense of magic. Yes, of course, it's simple, but the beautiful part, it's demanding. 
demanding in the same way that love is always asking things of us, good things of us, for us to, to bring our gifts out there into the world. That's part of that seeing, that's part of that faith. Because to close, folks, seeing the bush, burning bush, was not the end of Moses' journey. It was the beginning of a call. And may it be the same for all of us. Amen. So folks, to close the service, what we're going to do now is now I'm going to offer a prayer. Then we'll say the Our Father prayer. Then after that, we'll do a blessing. And then after that, we'll have our final song. So please join me. Lord, thank you for your presence here today. Thank you for what we're able to share together. Help us, Lord, to think of faith in new ways. Help us to understand that renewal. How does that renewal work? What are those moments where we can spot that burning bush just in our peripheral vision and actually make the decision to turn towards it again? To turn towards it again. As something simple, something demanding, and in the end, something beautiful. Help us, Lord, to live there, not in the age of skepticism, not in the age of skepticism, but, Lord, in the age of this, in the age of hope, in the age of redemption, in the age of resurrection, in the age of peace, in the age of joy, in the age of all those fruits of the Spirit that you promise. And not only promise, Lord, but that you allow us to live into more and more as we find our eternal home. Thank you, Lord, for being with us today. Be with us in the week ahead. Hear our prayer. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. As in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you, bring you peace, and bring you home. Amen. song that we've been working on. It's called To Feel Alive. I finally made it. I got out of bed and I went downtown to get creative. I ran into my friends at the mall and then we got to singing. And everything feels better right now. Right now Oh, right now 
things I just want to be up there on the stage doing my thing Singing, tapping in my power and to feel the authenticity Cause I notice that's when I feel most alive Thank you, everybody. Take care.